You're listening to a Flower Pop production. Hello, lovely people. How are you? I hope you're well and thank you so much for choosing the next chapter. Now, very quickly, I know most podcasts say this, but if you could subscribe to this podcast and ideally leave a review, well, that would be wonderful. We are on a mission here at Flowerpot HQ to help as many women and men as possible to start next chapters. Now, when I say we, what I really mean is, well, it's just me and my Labrador dog, Cookie. So, frankly, your help would be wonderful. On to today's episode, and it's a first. Today, I'm welcoming someone back for the very first Next Next Chapter episode. Today, we're speaking to the wonderful John Scott. The thing is, you've got to just follow what, what's there. You can't force it. There's, there's, no, there's no, these people who go, right, well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to leave here, and I'm going to do this. It's all very well having a plan, if you want, if that's how you live your life. But in our world, there is no plan. John was my second ever guest and I would highly recommend you listen to his episode because he's brilliant, funny and what a story. We then talked about life as a Hollywood costume maker when he worked on films like Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill, Tomb Raider and some of the Bond films. Then he was a regular face on national television shows like Lorraine and This Morning and when I last spoke to him he was hosting his own sewing channel and show. Well since then it's no surprise John has had even more next chapters including writing and publishing a book which sold out in minutes and now he's starting his very own television platform called Threads of Life. It's exciting, groundbreaking and brilliant just like John. In this episode, he tells us how there is an actual real-life Princess John Scott in the world, I kid you not, how he manages his energy and why he has no plans to stop yet. In fact, looking into the future may be another next chapter. You need to watch this space. John has one of the warmest and most engaged audiences I've known on this podcast, which is, I suppose, no surprise. He's so supportive, wonderful and engaged too. I'm so honoured to have him back here again. He truly has created a life he loves. Hello and welcome to The Next Chapter by Ellie Barker. The idea behind this podcast is that as I start my next chapter from journalist to author, I speak with some incredible people who've already started their next chapters in the hope it might help you with your next chapter. Or at the very least, you'll just enjoy the conversation. So here he is, John Scott. Now look... I can't quite believe I'm saying this because this is another first, John Scott, because not only were you one of my very first guests, so I wouldn't have the next chapter if it wasn't for you. Secondly, you're, this is the first time I've ever done an episode like this, the next, next chapter. So the fabulous John Scott, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome back to the next chapter. It's my absolute pleasure. I've been looking forward to this for ages. Well, do you know what, John? And I, I, you know, since we've spoken, so you were my second guest. I've done more than 70 conversations now. And we spoke, so our episode went out on the 5th of February, 2021. So here we are three years later. But I have Mm -hmm. to say that all my next chapter guests are special. They all are. But those, you, the ones who were in that very first, because you had nothing to go by. You didn't know that I was going to carry on. You didn't know what I was like anything at all so the ones you the the ones that were in that very first series I am forever grateful so you are particularly special so I'm so happy that we're doing this today 
Thank you very much indeed. Right. So obviously everyone hopefully has listened to the first episode because we're all right. So where we are at the story. So I'm going to pretend that we're back in 2021 when we just spoken. So what we did. <laughs> well, um, we did. I can't even remember that well, far back. I mean, I think we're still in the in the edges of lockdown and all sorts of things. Yeah. But also, so we've done, we've done that you, how you'd been the, um, a little bit of the clown at school. Then yeah. you'd thought about being a teacher. Then you decided yeah. you didn't really want to be a teacher. But you, I bet you would have been a lovely teacher, but you weren't a teacher. Then you did your... Well, I, I kind of think... I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you a lot. Do, me, do. I, I think I still am a... It's gone oh, yeah, full circle. Are. Yes, it is. Because I am teaching about sewing now, and I'm not teaching school children, but I'm still teaching, as it were. Well, this is funny, because this is actually the point I'm going to make, because all these chapters that we talked about in the first episode so then you went to do your costume course i think it was in anglesey and no, uh, oh yeah no that was a drama course, drama course. Student, like a school school person's drama course yeah and is that where you met anne or somebody who was and she was a great inspiration to you you've got such a good memory yes yeah, so I, I was basically i went on the chester drama courses as an 18 17 18 year old uh, who loved being in school plays, but we didn't study drama or anything. But it was just, it, uh, when I think back, we were so lucky because Cheshire County Council paid for 100 school kids to go to uh, HMS Conway in Anglesey and spend the whole of August there learning all our crafts. So you during the day, you learned all about acting, improvisation, dance, makeup, prop making, costume making, everything to do with theatrical. And then at the end of it, we put on a production, a really, really professional production, either at the Chester Gateway or at Crew Lyceum Theatre. With all and all the teachers were people who worked within the industry. So you had prop makers and set designers and costume designers from the world of ballet and West End shows and everything like that. So we had a re I mean, I think now nothing like that would happen these days. It was just a magical, magical time. But that was where I met Anne, and she'd just come back from uh, Italy doing she worked at the BBC in the costume department. And she'd just come back from Italy doing the costumes for the little world of Don Camillo. And she was like, she was more impressed the fact that you got free dinners and you got to stay in nice hotels and things like that. <laughs> um, and she said she'd gone to Wimbledon School of Art to do the costume course to get where she was then. So, yes, she was a, a huge inspiration to me then. But this is so this is what I think is so magical. So then and I'm just going to this is a very much a whistle stop tour. But then so then yeah. you went into theatre, which is amazing. Then you went into, and I still love the story, and please, if you haven't listened to the first episode, do, because it's so brilliant when you had the £12,000 um, job, a year job, yeah. and you went to your lady in the was it in the returns office or whatever, and you got offered something like £48,000, yeah. but it was for nine months, and she was like, why aren't you taking it? Yeah, that was actually <laughs> Pam in the returns um, yeah. Thank heavens for Anne and Pam. Um, yeah. So, so, and that led you, I mean, you worked, I mean, I, I still am so, I mean, gobsmacked by it, but it was Tomb, Tomb Raider, Bond films, still can't get, you know, four weddings and a funeral, Notting Hill, and you turned down Love Actually in the end. Incredible. Yes, did, yeah. Then you went yeah. on to the, I mean, via, I think it was at Granada, and then you went on to This Morning and, and Lorraine. So live television, so all, all of this. Then you had your own show with the Sewing Channel, so you, you know, you've sort of ticked all these boxes. So anyone, as we say, you could say, and I remember us talking about this, you have friends that were sort of retiring to France and, you know, and all this kind of thing. And you absolutely have not done that. So now, since we last spoke, you've written a book 
and mm-hmm. you've launched Threads of Life TV, which I would say, as somebody who's worked in the television industry for 28 years, I've never seen anything quite like what you're doing. Okay. Oh, thank you. Yes. No, I think it's truly, I just, yeah, I, I've never seen anything like it. I think, I, I, I think this is a, yeah, something completely different. So let's start as we would normally do. So we're up to date there. So when yeah. we last spoke, so you then went on to write a book. Yes. What happened was, is I was approached by a producer, uh, uh, um, what am I trying to say, a publisher to do my own book and everything. And I said, oh, yeah, that'd be lovely. This is what I'd like to do. And they went, oh, no, that won't sell. People won't buy that. We just want you to do John Scott patterns. And I've got, well, I've got, I've got to an age, I've got to an age then, I'm even older now, but I got to an age where I thought, I won't enjoy doing that. Mm. So I'm not going to do it. Good. And I, I, well, I just kind of thought, I don't want to be sitting in my house or my office, whatever, at home, drawing patterns. And, because the other thing, about, if you go to a bookshop, there are rows and rows and rows of pattern cutting books and they're out of date. After, after you've done the actual basic kind of um, how to draw a pattern, how to alter a pattern, any patterns you then do fashion-wise are out of date within no time at all. So the book is out of date. And I didn't want to do that. I kind of wanted to do, because the whole of my sewing life, people had always asked me questions like, oh, how do I put the collar? Basic questions like, how do I do a collar? How do I do a patch pocket? How do I do a full bust adjustment? And things like that. So I said, I wanted the book to be all sorts of sewing tips of the questions that people had asked me. But I also wanted people to know about me and my life story. I also wanted, because I've been vegetarian and gluten for years, but also gluten free more recently. So I wanted to put in a couple of recipes and a couple of my mantras of life, because I lived my life through different mantras and everything. And the publisher said, mm, that won't work. And being me, I went, right, I'm going to show you. Yeah. So I wrote the book and I self-published this well book. Well done, well done. Which uh, was terrifying. Luckily, I had a lady called Ali. It's funny, isn't it? Ali and Pam. Um, <laughs> Ali, who was, who went, when I first set up my company, you know, my John Scott Sewing World Company, she took me on board and was like my advisor and business manager and dealt with things like, I don't know how to do a website and I don't know how to do, to deal with Squarespace or m- monkey, monkey chimp, something, whatever yeah. it is to do newsletters and things like yeah. that. Don't understand that. So she would do all of that. Luckily, she'd worked in publishing for donkey's years. She worked, uh, was quite high up in publishing. So she told me what to do. So I wrote it. She then put it into a semblance of order and designed the pages and everything. And then got, then we got an editor who then edited it. And then we just sent it off to, uh, uh, I think they were in Bristol, actually, the place where um, I had them printed and everything. And then a few months later, it was it was much harder work than I thought it was going to be. Because I thought, oh, this will be easy. And I kept saying to her, have I finished yet? Have I finished it yet? Because I would just keep writing in my office up here and send it through to her in no apparent order, just kind of sent it all through. And I kept saying, have I nearly finished? She went, no, you're not even quarter of the way through yet. And it was like, oh. oh. And it also in the back of my mind, I had the fact that this publisher, the first one, had said, oh, people won't be interested in your life. Yeah. So I kept making the life bit shorter and I've learned now I shouldn't have done that. But at the time I was doing that. So then, and then we designed the cover between us. And um, the next thing in news, an articulated lorry turning up outside my house with two and a half thousand books put in wow. my garage thinking, what on earth am I doing? I've got two and a half thousand <laughs> books sitting in my garage. And who's going to buy it? Mm. Well, I bet someone did buy it, John Scott. Well, I have to say I've over 10,000 now. Oh, that is incredible. Wow. I know. Unbelievable. unbelievable. So what it did was I sold it off... 
I did it on my website and I just said, buy my book and everything. So of course, not thinking someone's got, to, well, you all know what this is like, not thinking someone's got to write the envelope. I haven't got a printer that prints up a mailing list. So I, every single envelope, I'd then also given them the choice if they wanted it dedicated to someone. So I was writing in all the books, all the two such and such, lots of, and then other people said, well, can you write this about my mom? Can you write this about my, and then I'll go to the post office. I live in a tiny, tiny village in Warwickshire. And the Vicky, the postmistress, would go, oh, no. And I literally turn up with all these books in. And I have to buy padded envelopes. I had to print up invoices and everything like that. And then I sold it on Sewing Streams on the shopping channel. And thousands went there, literally within minutes, thousands. And I just had to get, and it was a beautiful little hardback. Do you remember? Well, you're not, I don't know if you're old enough to remember this. But there was the Observer Book of Birds and the Observer Book of... I know, yeah. Um, wild uh, like uh, plants and things like that that's what it's, it's i think it's a5 the a5 mm -hmm. it's little and it's hardback and the pa it looks like a, a vintage book really and mm -hmm. the paper inside is almost like kind of not yellowed but it's that kind of it's not a glossy pages it's nice proper pages and everything uh and and it just flew, it flew out that, that they, i'm not having any more printed at the moment because then what happened was an old friend of mine who's a publisher she then said, oh, let me take it. I'm going to make it global. So we, it's now available on Amazon uh, in paperback. The hardback's not available anymore. So it's paperback um, um, thing you read on your ebook thing. Yeah. And audio. audio yeah. So, yes, yeah, so I went to um, uh, Brighton, which is where she's based, and went to a sound studio. And she said, oh, I've booked it for four days. And I was like, what, take four days? Three days for book. Took full four days. And so I read the book. And then I've got friends of mine who work in the sewing industry to come in and ask the questions that, that, you know, so some of the sections are, how do I draw pockets? How do I do this? And so they ask the questions and I then answer them. But yeah, so that's incredible. So those, so when you had all those thousands of orders, did you, you, did, you didn't put them all in the envelopes, did you? Or did you? No, no. So what, all the ones who bought it directly for me, I put in envelopes. The ones that sold via Sewing Street, they're, they're, I delivered however many, 4,000 or 5,000 books to their warehouse. And so they shipped all of those. Actually. But then I think half of them were via me. And now, now via Amazon, I have nothing to do with this. It's no, no, it's completely out of my hands now. I just get, well, I'm supposed to get money every six months. I haven't seen any for a while, but. <laughs> I'm sure you will. I'm sure you well, will. And yeah. did you, did you enjoy, I mean, that because, because in the last episode, one of your mantras was, is that you never want to be somewhere where you don't want to be. And then, yeah. and you really, so you, you truly live by this then. So something like that, that you could have done something, you know, so you did it your own way. And did you, when you actually had the book, and I appreciate you had that niggling voice in the back of, of your mind, and I know exactly what that's like, but did you feel so proud that you actually had done something that you wanted and then you can get behind it? Oh, yes. No, no, totally, totally. But you also have that niggling thing about what happens if nobody buys it? Mm. What do I do? I've spent all this money because you know it's not cheap. I, yeah, but, yeah. You know, that, because the editor, uh, the design, the uh, printing, yeah. the delivery, it's not its not a cheap thing. So, yeah, I opened all these pallets in my diet. Well, they were all delivered to my, my garage. And then I thought, I can't leave them out here. So I then carried them through in their packets of however many. They wrap them in cellophane, don't they? And you bring, yeah. I brought them all through into my dining room. The whole of the back wall of my dining room was covered in all of these books and everything. Um, but and I did go through a little thing of like, what happens if nobody buys it? Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I thought, even if I only sell 100, what am I going to do yeah. with all of these? You know what I mean? So there's always that niggle. But I think that, I don't think it's anything to do with me. I think that's to do with 
life. We all think, yes, who, what happens if you know? And then, of course, I took it onto the shopping channel, and literally within seconds, thousands sold in seconds. And I was like, this is really exciting now. But then, you, but then your niggle goes, oh, what happens if they get it home and they don't like it when they read it? Do you yeah. know what I mean? So, so there's always a self-doubting niggle there. But I think we all have that. So I don't think that's a thing. That's well, just I me. I'm pleased that you do actually. I'm not that I'm pleased that you have the niggle, but for somebody yeah. like you that has done so much and so many different things, it goes to show the niggle. The key is, isn't it, is having the niggle and doing it anyway. Yes, exactly. Not, not waiting for the niggle to go, which I am still well, the niggle learning. never goes. The no. niggle, there'll always be another, you know, like, so then it sells really well. Then you make the money off it. So, oh, that's lovely. I can do this. But then the next niggle is, oh, but what What if I, you know, oh, it's just, there's always a little niggle, isn't it? But yeah. we live like that. So yeah. what moves us on, isn't it? Yeah, we got it. Yeah. And, and actually, it, I, what I loved, because I, clearly everyone did love it. And most of all, I love this quote from Sarah Green, actually, from the Blue Peter <laughs> presenter. We need... Um, John Scott ruling the world. But in the meantime, well, we've got this book. But I mean, I totally agree. Well, that's really sweet because I have to go back now to when I worked in fil the film industry. I did a film called Ghost in the Darkness, which was meant to be filmed in Kenya, but we couldn't film it in Kenya. So we filmed it in a place called uh, the Song and Bello Game Reserve in South Africa. So every day, my journey to work was driving through a game reserve with all elephants and hippos and all the animals and everything. And we filmed within a set there but I wasn't allowed to take any of my wardrobe staff from London. So when I got there, I was allowed to, to take three professionals from Cape Town, absolutely fine, they knew what they were doing. But the rest of the people I had to employ were ladies who lived in the local townships. These And these are ladies who live in uh, mud huts, corrugated iron huts. They don't have houses, houses and things like that. And um, I took them all on and everything. They were using twin tubs or washing machines. They don't even have electricity, do you know what I mean? But that year, they had the worst floods that they've had for donkey's years. So I was kind of like driving these. I had a camper van with was converted so they could all fit in the back. And I'd literally take them to the town hall and get things sorted. I'd take them. Uh, also, I got their lives all sorted. Also, what I found out after a little while was that um, when they got home, the husbands were taking all their money from them. Um, so uh, and they were getting nothing. So mm -hmm. I then opened them all a post office account. So every Friday on payday, I'd give them two pay slips, one to take home to their husbands, and then the other one went into their post office account that their husbands didn't know about. Wow. And this was this was totally like again, not against the rules, but it was just not not heard of. And also, I said you're not getting paid that little amount for all this work. So I paid them. I mean, I still it wasn't the same as an English wage, but I still paid them more than they should have got. So so in a way, and they then and then two of my ladies got pregnant. What during the film? So I was there for a year. Both of them called their babies John Scott. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So somewhere, I mean, we're going back 30 odd years, somewhere in South Africa, there was a little boy called John Scott running around and a princess who's called Peaches John Scott N. Cozy. And, and so, but what they couldn't believe is one of them went into labour in the costume department. So I'm holding her hand going, breathe, breathe, like this sort of thing. And they had no idea that men would understand anything like that. And then when they didn't have any gas or electricity, I take them to the companies and sort all that. So they voted me mayor of Badplas, unofficially mayor of Badplas, which is where they all lived, sort of thing. And it was such a, I hated working on the film, but the actual experience of yeah. being with all these ladies was just amazing. Yeah, and Princess John Scott, and there's, all yeah. the, there's two John Scotts. So they're yeah. in their 30s now. Well, easily, easily, yeah. Oh my God, John, you're going to have to bring them onto your new show. But that's. Well, I don't think I'd, the thing is, there was no way of keeping in touch with no. them because they lived in townships. You know? That was the other thing. I was driving my 
um, Volkswagen campervan around all the townships. And the film company kept saying, you mustn't go out without a security guard. You must." I was picking up hitchhikers. I was going to all the different villages for tea and everything like that. And they were like, John, you can't do that. You yeah. It's very dangerous out there. But I was like living the life. I loved it. Well, you're proving you do it your own way all the time. Yes. That is just brilliant. That is amazing. So, yes, I'm, I agree with Sarah Green that you absolutely should be ruling the world. And I think you'd be well, doing a much better job. Be that could be another next chapter that you as the yes. prime minister, but we will, we'll, we'll, you know, maybe that <laughs> you, you have to come back on them. Um, yes. And you do a much better job, should I say? I shouldn't oh, say. Should don't I, get political. Let's now. not get that. We don't, we don't go down that route. This is what happens when I haven't got my structure of my, yes. that my normal structure. So then, so now, okay. So then, Threads of Life TV. So that yeah. was the name of the book. So, so basically, this began on, was that uh, the 5th of February? We launched on the 5th of February. Wow, that's funny, isn't it? Because this really is like, you know, we... Oh, we it's spoke, three, yeah. three years later. Isn't that yes, strange? Exactly. Isn't that strange? So, um, so can you explain it? Can you explain it? Because this is not just you as a TV... This is where I say I've never seen anything like it because this isn't just you in a show. This is you with everything. Yes. So basically, it goes back to during lockdown. Yeah. I'm now... Because I, I, I first met you in the middle of lockdown didn't I because you came to my friend Dulcie's house to film her because she was up for some Pride award. of Britain because she'd been Pride, doing oh, all the yeah, how yeah. Did I forget that? and you Britain. nominated her and it was lovely that was that's my television my day job and I met you both and I thought guy and I knew I knew you and I because I remember you from my days of being a runner but yeah, yeah it, and you I still I still think of you both in the gorgeous Cotswolds, because it was lovely. Well, yes, because we, we were in Dulcie's garden. Yeah. We, you, we couldn't get anywhere near each other. So yeah. So you came into it. So there's a very pretty camera boy over there. That's it. You sitting over there. Yeah. And then me here and Dulcie there. Because I, because Dulcie, obviously, in case people don't know, Dulcie's raised an awful lot of money during COVID to, to make scrubs for the NHS. Yes. For free. She's and a costume I, maker. She what? She's, she's a costume, a costume, maker. costume supervisor, yeah. And then I had got my ladies to make the bags and everything for them to go in. So yeah. we worked. So we saw each other every day, really, but socially distant. And luckily, that summer was beautiful weather-wise, was wasn't it? So yeah. One sitting in the garden. So I first met you then. Said so during lockdown, uh, somebody I'd worked with before said, "Shall we set up this like um, show?" Uh, he said he he lived in Western Supermare, and he turned a barn in his garden into a TV studio. He was a TV di uh, director and everything. So I ummed and ahed about it. Anyway, we did this live show, which was two hours every Thursday, either Tuesday or Thursday morning, where I would get, because during COVID, people couldn't work, um, but TV channels could carry on. Live yeah. TV could carry on. So I was completely legal doing it, but we still had to do social distancing. So every Tuesday, I would drive to Western Supermare, and then we would have one guest. It would be a two-hour show. One hour would be all about sewing. And the other bit, we put a bit of baking and a bit of, I got my friends like Bonnie Langford and Lucy Benjamin and Carol McGiffin to come on and be interviewed on Zoom and everything. And then that came to an end after six months. And then uh, Daniel, who I'm in partnership with now to do Threads of Life, TV, who he's um, got his own studios in Warrington and he films things like lots of the shopping channels and he does the Cruise Channel, he does Pay the Shoes and everything like that. He then said to me, oh, I want to do what you did in Western Superman. And I said, I'm not driving to Warrington every Thursday to do a two hour show. I've done it before, didn't like it. So then he kept badgering me and kept badgering me. And in the end, he came up with this idea that we would do like a Netflix platform. So it wasn't like, we will we will be doing some live shows, but it's not live. 
So what happens is people subscribe to the channel and then every day a different program is loaded up to the channel. So uh, so it's, it's things like sewing, quilting, dressmaking, bag making. But we're also doing things like uh, my brother, who's a doctor, is doing Ask Dr. Mike. We do a thing called Loose Threads, which is a rip off of Loose Women, where three of us sit on a sofa and discuss. It can't be things that have happened this week, that week because obviously it's a, a pre-recorded thing but it's literally it's like all these different shows we do behind the scenes we do with daniel's built a kitchen so we can now start a baking and cooking section and it's literally a lifestyle show but it's on a platform and a lot of my ladies that follow me have issues like because they can't sleep at night time and they need something or they've got husbands that they need to not get away from but kind of don't have the same interest as them so the idea is that these ladies or and gentlemen can watch any of the shows anytime from anywhere so there's an app there's a site and you can i never understand this you can cast it to your telly so you can watch it on your telly and things like that but it's all from this one threadsoflife.tv site website as it were i mean it's incredible but the but the variety of all the different of the different shows like you like touch it so the sewing surgery but then you've got your life stories then you've got but then you've got interviews with um, the celebrities that you've met as well. So this is bringing all your life and what we discussed in the last episode. It's literally bringing everything all together. Yes, this, yeah, yeah. And I and I forgive me, but I just haven't seen. Obviously, we know Netflix, but I've never seen one person doing all of this. Well, I didn't think I would be doing it. All. <laughs> it was only when Daniel kept saying. But John, they're buying it to see you. Because I kept saying, oh, when Dr. Mike films his bitch, you don't need me there. He can just ask some medical questions. And he's like, you haven't got the hang of this, John. People are paying to see John Scott's Threads of Life. So you have to be involved in every single strand. And I was like, oh, my God, people will be so bored to me. But the whole point of it is, is if you don't want to watch the medical thing, you don't have to watch the medical yeah. thing. You know what I mean? Because they're, they're uploaded to the site. They'll be there as long as the site will be there. So they all subscribe for a year sort of thing. But so if you don't want to watch the baking, when I'm going to do baking, then you don't have to. But it's all it's so brilliantly done. Daniel's done a, such an excellent job. There's menus and there's like uh, calendars and mm, things like that. Yes. And, and also all the people on it, I wanted them to be people who at this stage anyway, that I know all have affected me. So like, you know, all my celebrity interviews are going to be friends of mine. Or like I, I interviewed Cheryl Baker last week because even though I don't know Cheryl Baker, our paths have crossed a lot over the over the years. And also, when I was doing my teaching practice back in 1981, I wouldn't get off the bus in the morning until Terry Wogan had played Making Your Mind Up by Buck's Fist because I was so terrified about, well, not terrified, but I wasn't enjoying my teaching practice. But I knew that if I listened to Buck's Fist singing that before I got off the bus, I knew the day would be all right. That's amazing. Did you tell her that? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet she loved that. Well, it was it was really funny. I'm sure she won't mind me saying this. I, I, I hadn't really, whoever booked her, because all the others, I text them, go, Bonnie, will you come on? Lucy, will you come on? They're saying, because I, I don't know her. We went by her agent. And I don't think her agent had actually explained what it was. So she wasn't really, she thought she was just doing a talkie-talkie. She didn't realise that it was going to be going out on air and everything. And uh, so I think we caught her a little bit. And so you can see at the beginning of the interview, she's like kind of, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then after half an hour, we're like gossiping like old mates and she's inviting me around for a cup of tea and oh, all that nice. sort of thing. So, oh, yeah. so that was nice. But but yeah, so it's kind of like, but I did bring that up. And I also brought up the bus crash. 
And she got very emotional about that. And I was like, oh, no, mm. nobody said don't mention it or anything. Mm. So um, so she was brilliant. She was absolutely brilliant and was very, very honest, which I love because it's I, I people can tell if I'm telling a fib or whatever. So like when I'm on shopping telly, but don't like something, I have to say, well, personally, I don't really like this, which the management hates. But I can't <laughs> I can't be saying, well, oh, this is the best thing you're going to buy, because when you get it home, you're going to go. This is rubbish. John yeah. said this was good. Yeah, you know? well, this is it. And we'll come on to you and your audience in a moment because I'm yeah. fascinated by it. But 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 so going back to here, so it's you and Daniel as such. And yes. is it, and are you doing because it is so professional, it really, really is. And so how if you don't mind me asking, how are you yeah. doing it? I mean, is he doing does he do this? Where is the studio? Okay, so he has a studio in Warrington called On Air Media. Right. And in that studio, he has a space. Right. So in that space, he has a set that he builds for pavers. So when we film paver shoes, because paver shoes used to have a shopping channel. They don't anymore, but they still have on their website. You click on a pair of shoes and you can watch me talking about the shoes and Sheila, the model, wearing them sort of thing. Um, so he does that. He also does a lot of like there's a cruise channel that sells big cruises and everything that he does with Derek. So he's got a set for that. So he owns this studio, uh, yes, his studio, his company and his studio. So that's where the studio is set. He has built a set for sewing surgery, loose threads, uh, the A-list, uh, John Scott's life story. And there's another one. And, and then he's about to pull the kitchen. He's going to build a doctor's surgery for where Mike comes on and everything to do the doctor's thing. So that's where we go to do fixed shows like that. But then we also have Meet the Designer. And the reason this one came about is when a designer comes on to like a shopping channel, we, we're there to sell. So I can start a story about, oh, did you used to be a nurse? But you can't then carry on chatting about it because you've got to get back to the sell because that's what it's all about. So I decided that all the people who see these people every day coming on the show to sell their goods might want to know a bit more about them. So we then go around the country and we interview all these people either in their studios or in their house or whatever. But because of costs, because obviously Daniel and I are paying for it all and everything. Yeah. So so what has to happen is we like the first lot, we went to um, Brighton. We went to Brighton and we did all the designers that live in and around Brighton. So obviously they won't all go out at the same time. Mm. We just filmed all of those. Then we this next week we're in Stratford Avon, luckily where I live. Uh, so we'll do all the designers and everything around Stratford Avon. I'm also doing another strand, which is like friends of mine who have unusual jobs. So like people like my friend Francesca who works uh well she she's kind of changed a bit she she works for I don't know if I ever told you about the little dolls my lady's made for her she used to work with children that had been um really badly abused and everything she's now um I can't remember the name of her job but she works in the Old Bailey and places like that's very mm. important so I have, I'm having interviews with friends who do other jobs as well so so when we do that we go out and about and when we do the A-list we've got a set like the Graham Norton show where I'm in the studio and that they're on a zoom call and everything so it's it's basically done in Daniel's studio he does all the technical side he does all the editing he does all the filming he has he brings the camera people in and everything like that um, so he does all of that. And then our, my contribution is that I get all the guests and I obviously do all the talking. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. And in terms of funding as such, the, only, the idea is it you would earn a little bit of money with the with the subscriptions. That's 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 right. the model. The, yeah. The only way you can make money is selling subscriptions. Yeah. That's the only that's the only income. Unless it gets so popular that somebody then wants to sponsor it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if, I'd be quite happy to. Like I, I don't know if a company came forward and sponsored and make adverts for their for their um 
I don't know how it would work, but if somebody came forward, so at the moment, the only money that's coming in is through sponsor, uh, is through subscriptions. But this, this is, I think, really, really groundbreaking because we, as you know, my, myself and my husband, we work in traditional television and love mm-hmm. it for many, many reasons. But you can see how the world is changing, and we write. We've been so I do a mailing list. And um, I've always used MailChimp and I've recently sw- um, swatched out, I can't even say it, switched over to Substack. Now, the idea of that, and I've interviewed Farah Store, who is the, she's um, the UK sort of, it's very big in America and she's she's heading it here in the UK and she's a magazine, old magazine editor herself. But the idea being that gradually this is the way we're going because we're not all sitting down watching we watch the odd show like mask singer or strictly and that kind of thing but we are we are choosing our own media so that Uh means so on substack you can have writers who you like so rather than buy say for example the daily mail you, you might like it because a person writes in it well you can actually just read their writing so basically we're customizing all our viewing so i've Obviously, we know Netflix, but I've never heard of somebody, one individual doing this in television. So I just think this is incredible because because also you do have such a following that I would imagine that they really do want to see you doing all what you're doing. And there's so much variety. It's not you doing the Uh same thing. The set is is different. Like you say, you're traveling. I mean, it's just quite it's just quite incredible. Is it is it exhausting or are you excited by it? Both. Yeah. Both. I mean, because I, I keep this is going back to what you said earlier. I keep forgetting that I'm 64 this year and I still think that I can do what I could do when I was 20. So, yes. So a month because I also do my shifts at Sewing Street. I do my shifts at Pavers. And then on top of that, for some mad reason, I decided to do this. So like so, uh, so even though we only film for th- my show three days a month, that's all like today when I finish with you, I've got to uh, confirm all the people we're filming in February. And Daniel wants, and in my life story, Daniel's going, ah, I need a picture of this. So I'm going rooting through all my pictures and everything. Because obviously not all my pictures from my working life up until recently are proper photographs in a box. They're not online. I can't just click on it and send it to him. I've got to find the photos and so So there's an awful lot. And also he's coming up with new ideas all the time. Like this, I woke up this morning to like a, 10 page email from him going oh should we do a book club oh should we do this oh what about if we do this oh what if we... and i'm like oh you know yeah. what i mean it's just kind of like and he's going so if you read four books a month and i'm like when am i gonna yeah. fit reading four books a month in here but it's brilliant because he pushes it along sort of thing but it is exhausting because literally i have to drive so this week for instance or last week because um i had to uh on the sunday i was on the show on sewing street then i drove up to warrington on the Monday, on the Monday morning, I interviewed Cheryl Baker and I filmed about three or four promos. Then we did the live launch. So the live launch was, we did, it was very clever the way Daniel did it. We did it on YouTube, Facebook, and on the site. So it meant that the people who'd subscribed could watch it on the site, but people who hadn't subscribed could watch the first bit on for free on YouTube and on Facebook. And then after 25 minutes, we went like YouTube and Facebook, we're going now. So we then cut them off. So mm-hmm. only the people who paid for subscriptions could then see the rest of the launch, as it were. So we had loads of people join going, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, miss- I'm missing out mm-hmm. on something here. But so then so then I drove back. I did the launch, drove back from Warrington, thought I had the next day off. But one of the other presenters on Sewing Street was in the hospital with a small child. 
and that so I had to then cover her shift the next day. So I was back at Sane Street. And when I do a Sane Street day, I have to get up at half past four in the morning oh, because I get up at half past four, leave at half past five, get to the studios for six because that's in Redditch, not far from me. Two hours prep. Then I do five hours of talking on air, selling. Then I finish that. Then we have to have a prep meeting for the next day, and then I eventually come home. So it's it, and then and then. We then do the location thing. So when we did Brighton, we went to Brighton for four days. So you're away from home again. And you literally, and, and I don't, I think people think, oh, all you do is sit and talk. But actually, you'll know this. It's exhausting. Yes. Because you do, when you interview somebody, you can't just sit there and like let it waft over. You've got to concentrate on what they're saying and what's going to be said next. And then you've got a, a Daniel in your ear going, oh, you've still got another 15 minutes or you've got to wind it up now. Or mm. don't say that, John, because it's, you know, we don't want that in the interview and things like that. So it's kind of like a, a, a full on thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm interviewing you, John Scott. I could tell you. <laughs> I mean, I'm very difficult. Exactly. I'm going to go for a lie down after this one. I'm <laughs> going to tell you. But um, but no, I mean, that's what I was going to ask you in terms of energy, because you do have so much energy and you put so much of yourself out there. And I know what that that's that's the point, isn't it? It's 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 a that getting up at half past four. I also know what that's like. And that is exhausting. It really is. And often you don't sleep the night before because you're aware that you're going. So it's not even just getting up at half past four. Yeah. But then the because you give so much. So how? Because, and I obviously I do follow you um, a lot and you know I know you have your lovely holidays and you do have time off but how do you do it how do you preserve your energy because I also know as well that from speaking before you're very good at saying no mm. I am now never used to be I never mm. used to be um, I, like this is going to sound really like naff now but I think it's a gift I don't yeah. do anything I don't I don't I, I mean I have to now I'm older there was a time when I could work all day, party all night, and then have a shower and go back into work. And just, I, there's no way I could do that now. But I do think it's a bit of a gift because I don't, I don't know where it comes from. I re, I can be feeling really, really tired and miserable driving into work. But as soon as you get into the studio, and as soon as you get that five, four, three, one, like that, and then you, suddenly you're on, and you're like, and then five hours flies by, you know what I mean? Or interviewing people. I'm exhausted afterwards. And by the time I get home, about half past five in the afternoon, I'm like like this kind of, not dozing. I try not to sleep in the afternoon, but it's kind of like, that's like my late evening. Is half, half. And I just do sensible things like I eat at half past five. I don't eat any later than half past five because I know I've got to be in bed by half past eight. Very weirdly though, I've just in the last few months taken on a personal trainer. Mm. So now four nights a week, I have a personal trainer come to the house and do a full on, like I've just probably was doing you today. I literally, he's been around this morning and he's a proper like army personal trainer, like assault pool sort of thing. So I don't know what that is. I do believe in looking after myself. I'm vegetarian. I don't know if that's got anything with it. But there again, you see, I'm also diabetic. So I've, I've got that going against me. But I also love a cake and a coffee in the afternoon. That's my treat when I get home from the studios. Mm. So I have one treat. But but I also take collagen every morning. Uh, and I don't know if that's got anything to do with energy. And I'm also, I also take HRT. Do you really? Yep. And why... I'm quite happy to say. I'm quite happy to say about it. And in fact, the doctor that I see about it, a, I go privately, he's coming on my show to be, and he's going to, I'm going to interview him all about the male menopause because there is such a thing as a male menopause not not like a ladies i'm not saying it's anywhere near 
but most men don't understand and they get to like in their mid 50s and go oh well, i'm tired i'm old and they don't need to be like that they don't need it's a physical thing and it can you know what i mean it can cure lots and lots of things as well and keep you know kind of it's an important thing that people need to know about and i think a lot of people don't actually know it even exists and do you feel better have you felt better since you've been taking it yes and i'll tell you what's different is i ran out at the end of last year and the, the, what it is, it's a lot of people go, oh, hormone, that's all about the bedroom. Nothing to do with that. It was that my mind was kind of getting fuzzy. I wasn't remember. And people always know me because I like my memory is fantastic. Not when I was doing O levels and A levels, because I was rubbish at those, but my people's faces and people like I can go out with Dulcie and she'll go, how can you remember that person's name? And and also I can be on air and one of my ladies will message in, I'll go, oh, June, how's your husband? Or, mm. you know, and I remember all this stuff. It's, like I say, it's a gift, I don't work on it. So it's kind of, that was going, I was getting hot sweats at night time, wasn't sleeping properly and everything like that. So I went back, I went to, I, 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 that's why I went to him originally. Then like the end of last year, I ran out and didn't have any for two months. And boy, could I tell the difference in that two months. That's interesting, isn't it? Mm. That's really, it's fascinating. Mm. That's like a whole nother episode, I think. Well, yeah, but what it is is people are going, well, why are you doing that on your show? Because most of my viewers are obviously ladies of a certain age and their husbands will be going through this and none of them will have any, I mean, some of them won't want to know about it. Some of them will be like, oh, I don't need hormone, you know, whatever. But if it gives you this energy and yeah. this verve for life, yeah. then it's kind of obviously worth it. Well, of course it is. And do you think as well, though, John, when you were saying earlier about when you go, when you drive into work, because I actually know that feeling as well. And you're thinking, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Yeah. And then that, 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 I always think that's a magic moment when they're counting down to you. And I always think, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Yeah. And then I think, okay, I'm going to do it. And then you do it. And then you think, oh my God, I just want to do that straight away again. You know, it's yeah. just, yeah, it's, no, it's, totally. it's just totally. a thrill. It's wonderful. Mm. And do you not think as well, this is, and this is what the next chapter podcast is all about, but you have created a life you love. So you going back to what you said earlier, you don't do things that you don't want to do as such. No. But no. if, isn't it funny how we can normally often find the energy to do something we love to do? Now, that might be someone listening, you know, they might not feel very well throughout the week and don't really want to go to work, but they might have a really lovely lunch planned on the Saturday to go and see some friends. And do you know what? They feel great then. And mm -hmm. you know, But actually, if you are doing something that you feel good about and you love to do, actually you're going to feel great doing it once you get there. And isn't that, mm. isn't you, you're an example of this that, and it's very easy to tell stories that, oh, well, once I'm over 50, I don't, you know, that's it, then it's over. But it's it's just so not, it's just no, beginning. No, no. And, and also, I, I, I don't want people to think I'm like this all the time. My downtime, like, I, I love nothing. I mean, I'll give my, like you say, I'll give myself all day at work and all, like, if we do festival quilts, I have queues of, like, hundreds of ladies waiting for a hug and everything. And, and I'll give them all the time of day, and I love it. I don't, it's not a chore, I absolutely love it. But when I come home, I love to shut that door downstairs mm. and just shut the whole world out. And then I'll sit and I'll watch my um, Masked Singer or my uh, Great British Menu or my Naked Attraction or something like that. And I'll, that's my time. That's me doing that. Yeah. But then I'll come upstairs and I'll be back on the computer sorting out what's going to happen next, everything like that. But so I'm not high energy all the time. In fact, sometimes when I meet some new people and like friends or anything, and they're like, oh, I thought you'd be a bit more interesting than that because I'm not that high energy performer all the time no. i think that's quite important yeah absolutely burn you out. No, and is that the same like when you go on holiday with friends and that can you be quite quiet on holiday 
Oh, uh, nothing, because I go with, I go on holiday with my family, uh, with my, Mike and Julie and the kids and everything. Well, they're not kids anymore, they're all grown up. But I can quite happily lie on a beach all day and not speak to anybody. I have to have my nice lunch in the middle and my nice dinner. But I can quite happily just sit and not talk. I don't have to read. I don't have to have music on or anything. I can just lie on a beach and just let my brain kind of yeah. empty out or yes. get rid of all of the whatever's anxious is in there to get it out yeah yeah I do love it because in the last podcast you spoke about Mike and that you said that he was like the favorite brother but and he was a doctor but actually look it's so brilliant and he's on your show and I'm your oh yeah it's just I love that he loves it he absolutely loves it yeah yeah it's really good but it's interesting because I recently turned 50 and I yeah and I and also I recently interviewed somebody again in my day job called Arthur who had just turned 100 and I had never met a hundred year old like him as in I've met people who have turned 100 and they're doing all, all lovely but he if you thought he was 80 you think wow he looks good for 80 but he was actually yeah. 100 he was he, he lived on his own he's living life he was going out dancing that night just absolutely love life and I and I was really shocked when I turned 50 and I'm gonna sort of write about it with my with my own work because obviously John I had more head tilts it was like it was like, I would say like, it's like you've got a terrible disease. I mean, aging, we all know we are going to die. So you could argue it, I mean, but the truth is, it's, I didn't feel like it at all, but I was really shocked about the language. Like, oh, and like, oh, Ellie, we're sorry. And really, oh, wow. Oh no. You know, and I was like, I just didn't get it. I didn't get it because I just think actually this is a great age because, and lots of people I see in their fifties and sixties to me are like really doing well. Like this is a really lovely time in life. And I just think we can just tell us, oh, it's too late. And oh, it's, or you can say, uh, look, it's just beginning. And look at Arthur, like he thinks, he wishes he was 90 again. So, you know, it's like, it's all about perspective. And clearly you've exactly got that. And you're not going to stop, are you? You're going to just keep going. No, 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 not at all. But no, not at all. Not until I I have to sort of thing. But it's because if you think about it, I go, like, if I'm having an adult, I go, because I still think in my brain that I'm in my 20, late 20s and I'm whatever. Then I catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror and I just see my old dad in the oh, mirror. Oh, you look but, lovely. Oh, thank you. you but, but but what you forget is most people, I mean, not this doesn't happen to everyone, but most people in my family have died in their 90s. Right. So I've still got, yeah. in theory, 25, 30 years left to yeah. go. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's not like, oh, I'm 64 now. So obviously none of us know what's going to happen but it's really really i don't know if i told you this last time but all my life i've always thought in my brain that because this is one of the career paths i want to go down i want to be the new doris stokes i want to be a psychic but yes, you said that brain, in the last i was going to ask you that because you did say that in the last yeah, podcast in my brain i've always thought i'm going to die at 72 oh. and i'm going to die on stage right. and, and in this vision there's this red big red, you know, like rock opera house curtains with the gold sequins on and everything. And I always remember going with my friend Bonnie to see um, La Cage Fall, and it starts with red curtains. With, and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. Anyway, so I've always thought that I'm going to die when I'm 72. So I had this plan that when I was 70, I was going to spend all my money and I was going to live a really like kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like a full life sort of thing and be really naughty and do things I shouldn't do. And then I was talking to, uh, I see a, a clairvoyant once every three or four years sort of thing. And she said, oh, gosh, you're going to be very old when you die. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to die when I'm 72. And she went, no, you're not. That was a past life. And I carried this thing. Now, I know some people don't believe this. I was a Victorian music hall show person who died on stage. So I've carried that memory. And I went, it's just as well you've told me this, because I was planning on spending all my money 
before I was 72. And I said, then imagine if I didn't live for another 20 years and have no money. So she said, don't spend all your money. No. Don't spend all your money because you're going to be around a long time. So I'm going to be like your Arthur, I think. I think so. I think so. And also, John, I'm just going to book you now for your 72nd birthday or 73rd okay. birthday. For your, You'll be on your three millionth next chapter by then. But just so you know, yeah. and I don't want you letting me down. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. But no, I think I'll you'll be, be at 122 more like it. But oh, that's... As long as I'm healthy. Yes. What I don't want, to, what I don't, what I, my one fear in life is, and I know you can't stop it, but I don't want to be poorly. I don't want to be in pain. I don't want to be dribble and we're all gonna dribble now but you know what i mean it's kind of like and i was there we always laugh and i was say i'm gonna be that old man in the old people's home who sits in the corner in a dirty old mac shouting out obscenities to everybody and you know kind of like lo loving life and everything but i don't want I, what i don't want is i want to be a burden and i don't yeah. want to be hurting do you know what I mean yeah yeah well you're doing look at this I mean like you say you can't control it but you're doing everything you can and I yeah. just think the zest of like I mean that's what I saw with Arthur and, he, and you know he he fought in the D-Day landings and, and he got shot so he, mm. you know he's had suffering and he's still got shrapnel in his chest so <gasps> you know he anyway that's another thing yeah. so so moving back to what we're saying so I know from experience as well because yeah I mean your episode that you of my 70 odd episodes is still the most listened to episode on my podcast. And I wow. know your um, audience are so engaged and I've been lucky enough that a couple of them have come with me and I know how loyal they are. They've read all my books. They listen to my podcast, a lady especially wow. called Sylvia Carwell, Divinian Knight. Um, they come to mind, um, but just amazing. And what I would say is because again, there's lots and lots of talk around next chapters and about and I hear it all the time, like algorithms and, um, you know, you've got to write that bestseller and that and, and that's going to be the big hit. And all and everyone's looking for this formula. And everyone I've interviewed who's got this who've got great success, as you do, it, it's absolutely nothing to do with um, formulas or algorithms. It's about you being you and this engaged audience that you have. Now, I, I mean, I, I know you probably can't explain why, but can you, I mean, wh what would you say is your advice to somebody like me, you know, to build your own engaged audience to like you have? How do you do that? Or what do you think uh, the secret is? Okay, first of all, being honest, you have to be honest. Yeah, I I think you just have to be honest. So if I'm feeling not very well and I'm on telly, I'll go. Oh, I've had a dreadful night. I've got dreadful wind and I've not been. I've not slept well at all. So immediately you're honest with people. But I think don't have a formula. I have never ever ever had a plan for my life. So basically, I went to teacher training college, realised I didn't want to do that. I think what you have to do is you have to look out. Opportunities come to us, and sometimes you just brush them off, thinking. Oh, that's a load of rubbish. How have, I, how have I, without planning it, gone from being a school teacher to then going to art school, to then working in theatre, TV and films at the height of my career in the films? Like people still say, why did he leave when he did to go off and be a TV presenter to do fashion for a year? To then do all, to do sh like shopping telly. I never thought I'd be a shopping telly host. I love it. It's the hardest work I've ever done. But I believe that uh, opportunities are presented to us from wh whatever you believe, whether it's a god or the ether or your guardian angel. I think the opportunities, they come for a reason and you have to choose to do that. So when I left the film industry, I was earning a fortune. And then I went to do a job that I've never ever, oh, it's like Pam, first of all, the first job going from a normal job 
to going freelance, then going from films to doing, I might have been rubbish at presenting TV. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It kind of like, but you have to give it a go. Mm. You have to, yeah, the, the opportunity's there, run towards it. If, you, if your gut says no, don't do it. And also the thing we all do is when something comes up, when a dilemma comes up, we spend so many angsty days going, oh, should I do this, should I do that, should I do that? As soon as you made the decision, you feel better. Yeah. And the main, my other mantra is no decision is the wrong decision. So the decision you make, follow your gut, it's not the wrong decision. Even if it leads you to a dead end, you have to come back and go back round. It's taught you a lesson to come back and go back round and carry on to the next one. Mm. And you, I mean, you really did. I mean, to turn down Love Actually, because you were due to go there, but you'd already then, you're working with this morning, I think, weren't you? Or ah, that, so yeah, you were yeah, going yeah. down that route. I mean, that was an amazing thing to do, but look at where this has all taken you. Mm. And also, obviously, what you're doing, and you, you've created this world now, and, you know, joking aside, but, you know, if you're going to live to 122, you can keep going. And maybe with the film industry, you wouldn't have been able to keep going. No, you know? no, and this I'm is no, the point. That was, that was one thing. When I used to have... The, so when we're on a film, we would uh, hire a room in a, a costume hire company called Angels in London, and they had a floor where all the designers would rent a space. You could base yourself there. And I remember sitting, and I must have been only in my late 30s, yeah, late 30s, and all these lovely costume supervisors and designers around me in their 70s, dragging costumes around and getting themselves up at half past three in the morning to go to set. And I just remember thinking, well, oh, hope, even though I was loving the job, don't get me wrong, I absolutely it. I said, I don't want to be doing it when I'm 70, do you know what I mean? And it's like, like, like Dulcie was around last night, my friend Dulcie is a costume supervisor, just massive, massive films, everything. And she's been on a huge one just recently. And then she was, now she's already going, so the next job I get, and I was like, Dulcie have some time off. She went, no, 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 I'll just do this, I'll do this, I'll do it, get fit, and then I'll start my next job. And she, we're, we're, we're not 70, but we're heading that way, do you know what I mean? And I just, also the job has changed, I wouldn't want it anymore, but uh, so I would have become, I left, when I was still loving the job, because the job when I did it, you were hands-on, costume, costume, actor, extra, everything. Now, the job I did has become sitting in an office with an Excel spreadsheet and you do budgets and people moving all day long. And that, I would have got really, really angry with that. Yeah, and then you would have retired, then you would have got the house in France, then you'd have gone to a show, 72 years of age, we know what would have happened, so you see? Yeah, yes, so exactly. that, thank goodness, see, it all yeah. is for a reason. Yeah. And and just so, I mean, I, and so going back to with your, your amazing the, the community and you you've oh, got yes. thousands and thousands of people of women particularly women yeah and they are women. i mean and do you and, and i know that the sewing community is and we've said this before that there's nothing like the sewing community no. but obviously it's you as well and do you you know what again you say to be honest is there any other advice you would give to be able to just if someone's starting from scratch it's very hard to build it how oh. do you do it yeah, well, you've, the thing is, you've got to just follow what, what's there. You can't force it. There's, there's no, there's no, these people who go, right, well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to leave here, and I'm going to do this. It's all very well having a plan if you want, if that's how you live your life. But in our world, there is no plan because you know that you could be working on a show and the next week that show's gone. Or you could be on a show or you're replaced by two younger people because they're cheaper than you are and things like that. So you can't be put off. If you want something, just go for it. And don't be afraid to take risks. So many people I'm working with now who are in shopping telly, and I say to all of them, when they first start, don't stay too long because you'll end up being here for 10 years and you'll be bitter. All the people who've been there for 10 years who can't now go anywhere else because they've hit that 
what's it called, glass ceiling. There's nowhere else for them to go. And they're going, oh, we should have done that. We should have done this. Don't be frightened to take risks because you're not going to get anything unless you take a risk. So it's, I know it's difficult in this day and age because we've all got to earn money and everything like that. But you've got to take, you've got to be willing to put yourself out there and take that risk and take a leap of faith. It doesn't work. That I've always said, when I, even when I was working in the film industry, if I'm got, I'll go and work in Starbucks to pay my mortgage. I'm not just going to sit and go, oh, I've not got a job. I would find, I would go out there and do something, you know, like be a barista or work in a shop or work in... I, I, I never ever thought, oh, woe is me, I'm, it's not going to happen. No. Sort of not no. I ever planned to do, this is not the life I planned. You know what I mean? In my brain, I was going to be like very rich and settle down and have a nice sports car and, and kind of not be all over the place and everything. But I wouldn't have it any other way. And that's what's exactly. happened. That's what it's supposed to be. And say, I go back 72 watching that show yeah. and you wouldn't like it. But and, and just, and I am conscious of your time. But, um, oh, don't just, worry. Sorry. But just. Uh, going back again, looking for all these, because the kind of audience you have is the kind of audience people dream of, whoever that whoever that may be, be it a writer, be it uh, a television studio, anything like that. Yeah. And and again, everyone tries to look for a formula. And we and we know I know this from my television industry. Was no one can predict no one. You There is no such thing because if there and, and I see this as well. And here it is like with social media about, oh, you've got to do this and then the algorithm will pick it up and then it'll go viral. And that Because even if it no. does, it's maintaining the audience and things like that. So presumably with you as well, it's again, it get, people can see that you are genuine. You're doing something you all love, which is the passion of the sewing. But then also you are being you. And I and I think there's, and you're very clear about what you want to do at the time, what you're trying to do. So do you think, I can't think that there's anything other than that, that anyone could ever, as long as you're doing those things, you're being very, very true to yourself and you're being mm -hmm. very true, that, that you eventually will attract the people who are naturally attracted to you. Yes. Yes, exactly. And also, like you say, my ladies, I call them my ladies, but there's obviously some gentlemen there as well, but they are so loyal. And they as are. soon as this goes out, yeah. as soon as I post this on my social media, they'll all go and listen to it. They the will. thing I love about them is they're all honest. So they'll go, oh, you weren't very good. I did one radio show and I got so many messages oh, you weren't very good on that one. What happened there? <laughs> they're so honest with me. Um, but I love that. I love that because I'm honest with them as well. But it's kind of like they're totally loyal and it's word of mouth. So people go, oh, you heard John. And then somebody who might not have even seen me will then come and watch me on Sewing Street or something like that. And it's really funny because this new personal trainer who's like a young, strapping, straight boy, he now tunes into Sewing Street in the morning to see what I'm up to, just for a couple of minutes and everything. <laughs> and then, and then we'll kind of... So his mum now knows who I am and yeah. his girlfriend's mum now knows who I am and things like that. And then it turns around that they know Dulcie from years ago and it's all kind of like yeah. a big... Everything's all interlinked, isn't it? But yes, it's, it's just... There is no formula. There is no uh, algorithm, algorithm. But there is no... Don't be t take no notice of that. Don't be taken over by all that. Just be you and just do what you want to do. Also, you only get one life. Yeah. You only get this one life. And I look at some of the kids I work with. I say kids. These people come out of university. They expect it on a plate. They don't want to work for it. But then they're miserable. And, and I'm like, don't waste your life. Don't be like, I, I can't bear when somebody goes to work on a Monday morning and goes, oh, only five days and I'm off then. Yeah, I me mean, too. I hate to be in I'm that like situation that. where yeah. you live 
for 5.30 on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. Because no wonder people get depressed on a Sunday afternoon because they've then got to go back the next morning and start all over again. I know. And I hate to say it as well, but it's like we're on half term as we record this. And, you know, this obsession people have about going on holiday all the time. And it's like, oh, you've got to get away. You've got to get away. And I I often, and don't get me wrong, I love going away. But mm-hmm. I, I don't understand wanting to go away every six weeks and having no. a life like that no it's really funny because Dulcie was talking about that last night because like when we first started we were in our 20s we were both running complete costume departments in theatres I don't know and, and our work ethic was you worked and she said she'll be on a film and people go oh I need to have a two-week holiday I need to take two weeks off here and like if we well she hasn't had a holiday the whole time she's been on on this latest film she's been on it for two years so you don't take a holiday, but people expect to go and then she said one of them was talking about oh my BMW this my BMW that and Dulcie was like you're 24 years old. Get a grip of yourself. Yes, it's all very well, but have a reality check, girls. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, be real. You've got to be real about it, you know? Yeah, you absolutely do. While I've got you here, John, because I asked yeah. you this last time, when if anyone's listened to this, now, and this is changing slightly, but going back to the age thing, and, you know, if you are, if anyone's listening to it, and they are just feeling a bit, you know, a bit flat as in women as, and I'm talking about clothes now and how you t- like and you turn out very well in the world and I know we've discussed you, this you can only see the top half of yeah, yeah, yeah I know you say that I was gonna say what is on the, the bottom who knows who knows but but you know when you do start to feel a bit like you feel a bit I don't know f- not frumpy but you know that feeling and you feel yeah. stuck in the rut and I'm talking about clothes now and that what would right. you say to that person who is feeling okay, a bit like be- that before you even look at your clothes if you're feeling, I always do this because we all have it. We all feel down every now and then. I wallow in it for 24 hours. I give myself 24 hours. So if the other, it happened the other day, and I believe in the moon and the stars affect us, everything. But I, about three days ago, I was on my own at home, and I quite was enjoyed that. But I, there was some feeling I couldn't. I didn't know what it was. I have no idea what it was. But I was so miserable, and I was getting angry that I was miserable. And then I went, do you know what? Let's just enjoy this. Sit on the sofa, have a mug of coffee, watch the worst telly there is, um, and 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 wallow in it. And then when you wake up tomorrow morning, put yourself out of it. And so I had 24 hours of being feeling sorry for myself, thinking nobody loves me, I'm old, I'm this, I'm fat, I'm that. And then woke up the next morning, thought, right, that's all gone now. So I, it sounds like weird, but you enjoy it, wallow in it. Yeah. Then when you get up in the morning, right, my thing is, if I'm feeling like that, when you wake up in the morning, don't lie in bed listening to ra- the radio, talking radio. Put Radio 2 on, listen to that very camp um, drummer boy, the Welsh drummer boy, who I think is brilliant now. Uh, oh, Owen Wine Evans, I think it's his Radio 2 in the morning. Have music, jump up, have a shower, get your cup of tea or anything like that. And then straight away, you're into a positive mood. Um, and also, clothes-wise, wear something that you love. Put something that you love on. And um, if you if you want to be brightened up, wear a bright colour. Just a little accessory with bright colour or wear your favourite shoes. And also don't buy things and put them in the cupboard and go, I'm saving those for best. Sequins aren't for night time. Sparkle isn't just for night time. And, and little things, don't keep them for best because you'll only wear them once or twice. Whereas if you love them, wear them every day. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much, John. I wish you would. You could just, this is why we need you on the app. Because we put you on when you feel a bit miserable. We put you on. Yes. That's amazing. This is it. This is exactly yeah. it. Um, you should really think about doing your own app, John. Oh, you have. So that's amazing. <laughs> so, so look, for your to be continued, because there, I know there is this, despite all yeah. the already million next chapters. I mean, what would you like to do next? What's the next? What What is the next plan? Well, I don't know, because I'm waiting for the universe to send it down yeah. to me. I've always want, I mean, so when I see psychics, 
they always say to me, oh, you should be sitting here. You're far more psychic yeah. than I am. I don't think I am. But little, uh, I, I don't think I am, but I have these moments. I have to believe in myself. I have these moments. So um, I've got this financial advisor. I'm sure you won't mind. I won't do any names. But I have this financial advisor who's very, very straight. And he told me uh, last time I spoke to him that he was going to uh, get engaged to his girlfriend. And he's very excited. And his girlfriend and his girlfriend's mom adore me by watching me on the telly. So I then sent him an email going, oh, I'm not sure if you know about my new... Maybe you could buy this for your girlfriend or your fiancé and your new future mother-in-law. And as I was typing it, I thought, they've split up. Now, I've got no reason. I've got no reason whatsoever to think that. I don't know him. He's my financial advisor that I talk on Zoom to. About two weeks later, I got an email from him going, well, thanks for your lovely email. However, we split up. And it was like from wedding, the wedding bells had been planned and everything. And I said, oh, that's really freaky. Because as I was typing it, I thought that. So anyway, so I kind of would like to be a bit more psychic. That's one thing I'd love to do. Mm. But I don't know. I, again, I've not, got, I've not got a formula. I've not got an algorithm. I don't know. Something could turn around and I've become a magic mic next week or something oh, like yeah, that. Do you know exactly. what I mean? But that, that would just, but that would be another slot on the on the app. You could do yes. it. Of course you could. You can do anything yeah. now. This is the point. Yeah. And you and you were how do you become a psychic? Could you do, would you need any training? or presumably you've well, no, no, I think you'd be born with it. I don't think mm. you're trained to be it. But uh, I, I just the thing is people say to me, you have to listen. But my mind is so active the whole time. In my brain, I'm not sure if it's me thinking it or if it's my nan telling me it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, but you can go to psychic development classes and things like that. But it's just kind of like nothing's come up to, to make me go there. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. maybe I have to make it happen to go there. But maybe that's not what I'm meant to do in this life. Maybe that's another, another life. life. Also, you'll know, won't you? You, I know with you, you you listen, don't you, to the instinct, and the, and you'll yeah. know if that's if that's it. And you also yeah. mentioned before we started recording because I say I do often think of you and Dulcie, and because I love the Cotswolds and where you live in a particularly nice spot. Um, yeah. But you are thinking of leaving. Uh, only because, right? Okay, so uh, ages and ages ago. Um, I went to visit my niece, my gorgeous niece, who I'm very close to, in London. And I always stay with my friend Francesca in West London. And you can step out of her door and I can get the overground to Camden. I can get the Elizabeth line to wherever. It just walked down to Acton High Street and there's every coffee shop, every restaurant. There's life. What I love is walking along a street and you can be passed by 20 people. And those 20 people can be from 20 different nations. They can be of any sort of... I don't I don't get into the them, they, him, her, all that thing, but they can be anything they want to be. They could be they could be your future lover, they could be somebody who's gonna murder you, they could be anybody passing you by of colour all the time. And um where I live, beautiful it is at the moment, I have to get in my car to go to the supermarket, I have to get in my car to go to the shops, I have to get in my car to go anywhere. So I kind of would like to be able to step out of my door and walk to an Italian coffee shop or walk to a Somalian restaurant or, and also you see, most of my adult life was in London. If you think about it, mm. all those years working in film and then working on this morning, I was based in London. Then I moved up here and yes, it's gorgeous. And Dulcie's actually in the Cotswolds. She keeps telling me I'm not officially in the Cotswolds. I'm across the border in Warwickshire, but I live in a gorgeous house that looks out over fields and sheep and a little church and, and I look onto the village green at the front, in front, you can't see it, but in front of me here. So all of that is amazing, but I kind of think I get my, oh, here you go. This is going back to one of your questions earlier. I get my energy from being around other people. Interesting. So yeah. if I ever did retire into this house, 
in this village, I'm sure I could go a week and not see anybody. I could walk down to the local pop-in shop, you know, we have a community store and everything. But I get my energy from people. And that's what I was going to say about when I was on the train coming back from seeing my niece, I just sat on the overground and I looked around and there was like a Nigerian lady in her great big fantastic outfit. Going, and I love to think, I wonder where she's off to. And then there was obviously a couple offers of me who had a row. And so it's kind of like, oh, I wonder what they've had a row about. Yeah. And then all these different people you kind of look at and you just kind of, and the theatre as well, because obviously my friend Francesca and I go to the theatre a lot. And it's kind of just, I haven't got, I've got the RSC, but I haven't got anything else here. And I don't want to be a 90, or I don't want to be Arthur with no energy. I don't want yeah. to be Arthur sitting in this house thinking, and by then they'll have built on every field and every bit of green. I'll have been built around by then. And I won't see people to get energy. I and mean, I know that's selfish, but I get my energy from other people. I don't have to talk to them every day. I just need mm. that free song with, with other people. How exciting. Where would you go in London? Oh, West London. I'd definitely go to West London. Go to Ac I couldn't afford to live in Chiswick. So I'd go to Acton because Acton's still earthy. Um, and it's got all the trains and you can, and also if I lived in London, I'd have a bus pass now. I haven't got a bus pass in Stratford-on-Avon because I'm not old enough here, but I would have in London, you know what I mean? But it would just be the thing of being a, it's there to do if I want to do. So I could have a bus pass, I could get on whatever number bus it is and go to a museum or I could go and then I'd, I wouldn't even have to speak to anybody, but I'd just be in a building with buzzy people around me. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, of course you would be. Would Dulcie go as well? Yeah, so, because I know you've oh, got... Oh, it's really funny you say that, because Dulcie's always said she would never be back. And then last night, she said something about, well, because if I move back to London, I was oh. like, oh, oh. So maybe she and I'll move move back to London together. She awesome. won't want to live in Acton, though. That's the problem. Well, I hope you live near each other, because I do love you two living so close to each other. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. the well, universe. Not I've seen her much for two no, years. But, no. You know, she's been so busy. Well, but this, this is the universe talking again, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So just very finally, so going back there. So now, if somebody is listening to this, John, and they, they're basically, there's no excuses there, because you have done everything. You have kind of created everything yourself. Yes, opportunities have come to you, but that's only because you've been out there in the first place so and i yeah. i'm a i am a strong believer in the universe and i do believe that the universe rewards action and you kind mm. of have to take the action first often yeah. the time. so if yeah. you if someone's listened to this it's thinking do you know what i just need to i need some of this energy and if i need a life that's going to give me this energy but they are feeling so stuck and they've got nowhere they kind of think oh i'm i kind of like this area i like interiors i like fashion i like hair or you know whatever but I just don't know what to do next and how can I make a living or anything like that. What would you say to that person? Okay, now this is going to sound really a weird way to go around it. Aunt, when we were in lockdown, every Sunday evening, I would do a sew along. So when we were making the scrubs bags, I would do a sew along how to make the scrubs bags. So it's for visual learners. Then after that, we made all the thousands of masks and then we made the scrubs hats. Then we made dolls for Francesca's charity and, and we carried on doing that. And then all that sewing stopped. I now, every Sunday afternoon at four o'clock, do a completely free Facebook Live, right? And we talk about everything and anything. So people come in, like June, for instance. June will be watching this. June will definitely watch. She's oh, had the June. worst year. She's had just such a... And I'm not going to go into it because it's not my place to talk about what's happened to her. But she, uh, but she comes in on a Sunday and there's all like-minded people. We don't necessarily talk about sewing. We talk about life. We talk about television programmes. We talk about naughtiness. We talk about the news. We talk about anything like that. But it gives people energy. And I've often tried to say, well, oh, I think we should stop this now. Because there's no, and the amount of people go, this is, you're the only person I speak to on. You're, this is the only communication I have. So 
And people go, oh, you give up all your time, you work so hard. I actually get as much out of it as they do. But if you're sitting at home now thinking, I don't know what to do, uh, just open your eyes. Just, just uh, if you love hair, read about it. Go and work, go and or volunteer in a hairdressing shop or go and just, just make steps, baby steps to start with because you're not going to go from zero to, what, what's that saying? Yeah. Zero to whatever yeah. in one step. It's taken me 64 years to get where I am. Do you know what I mean? And people go, oh, John, you've had such a magnificent life. Yes, I have, but I've worked hard. And don't get me wrong, it, I've sacrificed. You know, when you're working on a film, you have no social, like what Dulcie has for two years. You don't have any social life. You give over your whole life to it. So it has been baby steps, just moving, moving, moving. And yes, people go, oh, you're so lucky because it's just fallen in your lap. But actually, the things come along and I've made it into what I want to make it in. So just give it a go. Because if it's wrong, you'll know it's wrong. And you can move on to your next thing. Because there's nothing worse. My mum used to say, I don't want to go to my grave going, I wish I'd done that. Because imagine if you love hair, if you love fashion now, and you work in a bank and you think, oh, no, I've got to pay my rent, I've got to pay my rent, and you don't go and do it. Get to 65, you'll go, what would have happened? Yeah. What would have happened? Like, what would have happened if you hadn't worked at ITV? Yeah. What would have happened if you hadn't come to Well, this, right? Yeah. So I met you through something. I apply, I nominated Dulcie for an award. I didn't know you. Well, like, we'd met. I didn't yeah. know you at the time. You turn up. Now it's like Dulcie was saying to say what, how much she lo loves you. And she oh. said, it's really lovely that you and I have now got a relationship from her. Yeah. And she did win, by the way, everyone. She did win. I know, I know, I know. She's a winner <laughs> in my eyes. You, yes, exactly. But do you know what I mean? It's like that. It's there for taking. Yeah. Just go and do it. Do you think? Do you think as well? And I am guilty of this. Sometimes we get a little block in our lives. Uh, you know, whatever that. You know, we get a bit of a like lovely June. You know, you might have a bit of a difficult time, or it's very easy. And it and it's not it's not a criticism because it's natural. But you get a bit of a heaviness, or you just get that that bit of a block. And actually exactly that there are all these green shoots of opportunities all around but it's very hard to see them because we're looking at the negative more than that, that. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and actually it is a case of do you know what they are it, it's like kind of picking yourself up a bit like you're saying on that you wallow in it and then you put on your radio too and then you see right i'm not going to go where the negative is i'm actually going to look at that mm -hmm. and life starts to become sun sunny again Yes, going back to June again, I mean, like, it was devastating what happened to her. And just little things, like, I just sent her a little bunch of flowers, right? Nothing expensive, nothing over the top or anything. And I didn't know her favourite were white flowers or anything. And just that little thing. Mm -hmm. And she'll never get over what's happened because it's just traumatic. But I can see every day that she's taking baby steps to become, yes, she'll have a day when she wallows. Yes, she'll have a day when she's upset. But... With her friends and her community and everything like that, she can take those baby steps to become like she lives on the seaside. So if it's a sunny day and the wind's blowing and she can look out to sea, that will make her happy for us. Just even if it's only a few minutes each day, like we always say, look up when you go for a walk, look up, look at the gorgeous well, there's no leaves there now, but look up at the trees, look at the sky, look at the people around you, listen to the noises around you. They can all instill something inside you. Mm, well, you instill so much inside. You make us all excited, very happy. John Scott, I, I am already inviting you back for many, many more next chapters, up until you're at the age of 122 at least. Oh, um, uh, Thank you so much. You're amazing. And just thank you for being so wonderful. My absolute pleasure. I've loved it. Thank you.
So there you are. Well, firstly, I hope you wonderful fans of his who are listening, well, I hope you do think he did a good job because I do. And also, well, we'd like to send our love to June also here from the Next Chapter community. June, we really are thinking of you and hope you're okay. So what next? Well, I love so much of this conversation, but most of all, I love that if you're feeling a bit miserable, well, just allow yourself to feel miserable. Then the next day, put on some nice music and off we go. John is such an inspiration for brushing yourself off and carrying on. And I suppose that's the message, isn't it? We just have to keep doing this and look at what he's done. He has created his own wonderful world with wonderful people and he's an example to us all. So to see more of Threads of Life TV, the link is in the show notes. And I really suggest you follow him on Instagram for all the joy, color and wonderfulness he brings. To learn more about me and my books, I'm at elliebarkerwrites.com. I would love, love to hear from you, even if it's just to know how you think John did. So, well, happy next chapters, gorgeous people. Remember, let yourself feel a bit miserable. It's okay as long as tomorrow we get up and we do it all again. I know you can do it, and John does too. Speak soon.